Hi, Corberto Ron to the Pro Sports Podcasters. Before we get into our International Women's Day episode, I'd like to recognize one of my greatest idols for her many accomplishments. My mother, Paula Durand, a career librarian now retired, former Ontario Library Association president, recipient of the Distinguished Service Award, and most recently recognized as one of the top 100 accomplished Black Canadian women in 2022. If that wasn't enough, she has just published a book based on her most recent experiences as a caregiver for my father, who is in a long-term care home with Alzheimer's. It's remarkable women like my mother, and so many others, some of which we have been fortunate enough to get to know on our podcast that we celebrate today. Thanks for your time, and enjoy the show. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcasters. I'm your co-host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I'm joined by Mr. Justin Williams, the man from the east, the far northeast. <laughs> Justin, how you doing? Living the dream in yourself. I'm not too bad, not too bad. And today's guest is someone who actually hails from the northeast of the United States, from Delaware, in fact, initially. But she now lives on the west coast, which some say is the best coast in Seattle, and she is the former NBA player, the multiple national champion. And now she's a coach in her own right, not just on the court, but in the head, in the mind. It's Val Whiting. Val, how are you doing? Great. How are you? Uh, We're good. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me. Val, your career was very successful. How did you get into basketball initially? Um, Actually, I got um, into basketball by accident. My... My math teacher asked me to come out for the team. So I was getting bullied pretty badly in seventh grade. And I thought that if I had, if I became a cheerleader, which they seemed to be popular, then the bullying would stop. So I tried out for cheerleading and did all the cheers and practiced for two weeks and came out for tryouts and I didn't make it. There was 12 names on the list and then one mascot. I didn't even get chosen as a mascot, which is a tiger. And then later that week, my math teacher was like, hey, you're tall, because I was probably about six feet tall then. Why don't you come up with basketball? And I said, okay, sure. And that's how I, I started. I was not good, of course. You know, when you start something, you really, you're not good. And and I used to score, <clears throat> excuse me, at the wrong basket. I get confused at halftime and score at the wrong basket. Or I'd be wide open for a, wide, for a layup and shoot over the backboard. So... It was a rough start, but my, my dad took an immediate interest in me and took me out to the park at Saturday mornings at 6 a.m. We'd work on my game. And both my parents played basketball, but they didn't push the sport on me at all, which I still find intriguing. Yeah, well, I, I guess that's probably a good thing that you it was something that you, you loved or you did what you loved as opposed to being pushed to playing that's true. Although I did not love it until tenth grade, it was it was a confusing and foreign sport, and I was still a little a little clumsy. I would fall a lot, and it just wasn't 
truly loved until I got my first letter from a college mm-hmm. asking me to consider their school to come there to play basketball. Sometimes you just need an opportunity, and you went on to play at Stanford, one of the best colleges in the country. You won a couple of championships there. I believe you're still involved with the college. Is that right? Um, when I go there to visit, I'll you know, stop by and speak to the girls if Coach Tar wants me to, but I'm not um, involved in any official capacity besides um, slipping, encouraging DMs to the players um, during the season or just checking in to see how people are doing. Fair enough. So you had mentioned that you had a foreign feeling when it came to basketball. But you also played over in Brazil and Italy. So how was that going from North American basketball to European and other? The hard part is not the basketball side of things. The hard part is adjusting to the culture, being in a, in a country where you don't speak the language and you're expected to play and perform well and communicate on the court like you speak the language. And then being away from home. I mean, I was away from home when I played at Stanford being 3,000 miles away, but my parents would still come out and see me or they would go to games. But when you're overseas, all I pretty much had was myself my first year and my teammate wasn't American. She was Russian and I didn't speak Russian and she didn't speak English. So I felt um, really isolated. And when I was there, no internet, there's no Netflix, there's no FaceTime. So you pretty much are... <laughs> have a lot of idle time to, I guess, learn the language and, and check out the city. But um, I remember being really homesick that first year. Yeah, that would make sense. The closest thing I could relate to was when I went to college. And I was just like, bye, friends. But, uh, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah, I went to college like 16 hours north. So my family wasn't even coming that far. They're like, no, no, no. Like, we love you. But dude, wow. you know, what's the weather like? Uh, cold. Cold as sin. It's like minus two in August. Oh, August? Yeah. Wow. As soon as the nighttime hits, it's freezing up there. It's brutal. Not fun. But when you were in Italy and Brazil, did you end up learning the language or at least the key words for like, pass, shoot, I'm open, don't give it to me? So there is no basketball dictionary. So a lot of times you learn just by being around and absorbing. I didn't stay in Italy a long time. I only was there for three months. I ended up going from there to Israel and then Italian team wouldn't release my FIBA, I don't know what it is, license to Israel so I so I couldn't even play that season. But I when I went to Brazil I definitely learned the language. It was a totally different experience and I, I loved it there. Um, Brazil is also also has the largest African population African descent population outside of Africa. And I did not stand out there. When I was in Italy I stood out and people would be like driving and almost crashing because they're staring at me walking down the street uh, you know and then in brazil i was uh, not brazil in italy i was approached because someone thought i was a prostitute because apparently the african women there were prostitutes in the city i was in i didn't have those experiences when when i was in brazil a lot of people thought i was brazilian because my name is valeria first of all and then you know and brazilians look like me Wow, that's that's some insight. I didn't, I had no idea. Yeah, I I can identify with that. I mean, I know this is an audio conversation, but I'm also a person of color, and I grew up in Australia, where I kind of stood out a little bit. But yeah. after coming to Canada, I feel like I I blend in a bit more, so I can definitely identify with that. 
Now, just thinking about your time in the in the ABL, the, I guess a precursor to the WNBA, you played in Seattle for a bit, and you were an all-star there. What was it like playing in the, the ABL as opposed to the, the WNBA? Okay, so for the ABL, I, my first team I played for was the San Jose Lasers, and then... And I got drafted to there, or not even drafted, assigned to the area because that's in the Bay Area. And they thought that they would be able to get our Stanford fans to San Jose. Mm-hmm. So I was assigned there myself and Jennifer Azy, who is a, an Olympian, 1996 Olympian. And then I got traded. Then I was a, I was all-star there. Then I got traded to Seattle. And um, Seattle Range, Seattle has great fans. I mean, fans are still great for the Seattle Storm, the WNBA team here. And I played for Seattle for two years, and then halfway through that second year, or the third year of the league, the league folded on Christmas break. I got a phone call from a reporter. How do you feel about the league folding? I was like, wait, what? And then, because I hadn't heard yet. And so I, <laughs> I ended up hanging up and calling. I forget who I called. And they're like, yes, the league has folded. And women were like taking Christmas presents back and all kinds of stuff because they, they thought they had a job. And all I remember was going back to Seattle, getting my stuff, standing in the unemployment line. We had to go, we had to go in person then, standing in the unemployment line, getting my unemployment, signing up for unemployment with the rest of my teammates, and then coming back east and hopefully getting into the WNBA, which was, there weren't a lot of spots. Mm. Um, we had a combine with only, for only ABL players. And then the draft happened. Oh. And before that, the collective bargaining agreement happened with the WNBA saying that they're only going to limit three ABL players per team. And so a lot of ladies did not end up playing professional basketball anymore because they didn't get picked up because they were limited on the team. Back then, at the time, the ABL was a stronger league. The ABL and the WNBA were going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it would be commercials. The WNBA would say, we got next. And ABL had their commercials to say, and it would say, well, we got players. So um, it was like that kind of battle. And kids came out of college, it was like a battle about which league they're going to play in. And obviously the WNBA had the marketing machine of the NBA. And eventually the ABL couldn't really compete with that. But even though I say I'm a former WNBA player, I, I feel a stronger bond with the ABL. And I have no idea why. I don't know because I was there the first league the first year it started and and then having that feeling of it folding and then being involved with community relations and i mean community outreach and getting kids and families to come to the game but i feel such a such a connection to the abl that i don't necessarily feel to the wnba that's interesting uh, i guess the maybe it's because it's the original i don't know i didn't play professional basketball myself so i wouldn't be able to fully understand but yeah that's interesting well it could be because like the abl there was no men's league meaning mm-hmm. the abl was for women we didn't feel like we were second class to anybody in the WNBA, you at least for me maybe it's different now i always felt like the men were always going to be their priority mm-hmm. and then we came you know we came second ah well, that's, that makes perfect sense. And since you're playing days, you've become, you've definitely become an advocate for the, the female athlete. In your words, you're a, 
a woman for the female athlete. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that? I kind of fell into that by accident. I lost my my job during the pandemic in March of 2020. And I was like, um, okay, what am I going to do? Oh, I'll go on TikTok and make TikToks for all athletes, right? Motivational videos, cheesy stuff, probably. Mm. And then I saw that a lot of female athletes were getting bullied. And I would go in their comments and like hype them up and and kind of even battle some of the bullies, the trolls. And after that, I dedicated my my TikTok to female athletes. I call myself the hype woman for the female athlete or the CEO or empowering female athletes. And that's it just kind of took off from there. There's been a lot of bumps and bruises because I end up attracting trolls. There's a lot of hatred on social media, especially TikTok, towards WNBA players and female athletes. So I, I, I got really bullied really badly, racially bullied. I had my account hacked into and stolen. They would go to my Wikipedia page and edit it. Like they would edit my stats, like to make something that was 10 points to 0.1 point. Just crazy stuff. Just, it was just constant. It called my cell phone, which I have no idea how they got that, and then text me, threatened to come to my house and hurt me. I had to actually get called the police on that one because they knew my address. So it was rough for a while. But the reason why I didn't quit is I had people saying, well, why are you even doing TikTok? People my age, you know, I'll be 50 in a couple, in a few weeks. And like, why, why don't you just quit? Why are you doing it? And the reason why I didn't quit was because of the young ladies that will would comment and say that my video helped them. Oh, my video is so inspiring. So that's my TikTok story. I'm sticking with it. And there we go. And what's your handle for TikTok, by the way, for our listeners? It's at I am Coach Val. I am Coach Val. That is... Well, first off, very impressive. Also, very scary having trolls like yes. that trying to come to your house. Like, listen, I, I'm a stand-up comedian, so I say some interesting stuff on stage myself. And on top of that, <laughs> I've had people be like, "Hey, I'm going to heckle you," but it, it's my job to kind of welcome it and be like, "Listen, I'm going to shut you down and make you feel bad." But the second you come after my family, that's that's a whole different thing. Come after me as a person. Don't touch my family. You know what I mean? Or at least attack my joke. Don't attack me. Yeah, I can't stand people like that. They're just keyboard warriors that are cowards and you exactly. can tell them exactly it's um just anonymous behind that no, a lot of times it's people with no profile picture yeah exactly no profile picture no followers no posts yep just mean and, and, and it was mostly white teen boys so it made me it's just i just got sad i'm like on my i have two boys on my boys thinking about people like this are they trolling people just because Nah, you raise good boys. Uh, I know if my mom, like I said, I, I never did that. But if I did and my mom caught wind of it, you would hear about it in my obituary. Cause she, yes. <laughs> like with you growing essentially this brand of empowering women and, and like telling and like shutting down bullies and essentially just being a superhero is what you essentially are. Have you had people of celebrity status or companies reach out to you and, and thank you for your like noble work? No. Not yet. I, I have done some brand deals. I did a thing um, with Dick's Sporting Goods around girls sports. And I did something last summer with P&G, which Procter & Gamble, they, they're over like Tide and feminine hygiene products and Febreze. They have a whole bunch of, they have a whole 
bunch of different companies under that umbrella. So they had a, um, once again, it was a Keeping Girls in Sports campaign. I've gotten things with that, but I, I, I need a good PR post and that's what I need. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show. And once in a while, if I get a question, because you can you can um, answer a comment with the video, they go, "How do I shoot a lamp?" And I may do that, but most of the time, I want to attract all athletes, so I don't try to you know, alienate non-basketball players. But a lot of times, a lot of my videos that are funny have to do with funny things that happen in basketball. So the few skill-based videos I've done have been around post-play because that was my position, and I'll show them how you know how to post up or. Here's an advanced post move for you to do. But there's so many TikTokers out there that their whole account is skills that I, if someone asks me a question, I'll like refer them out. Hey, try it. Check out this person. She's dope. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's a great thing that you're doing. Now, Val, why is it important to have a mindset coach for, for young athletes? Someone, I guess, looking out for them. Well, I think it's an important because it's a skill that we're constantly using that we maybe not even realize it until we struggle. Uh, for instance, you, you're in a basketball game, you miss your first five shots. What keeps you shooting? That's your, your mindset, your confidence in yourself, the mental toughness to know that the next shot is going to go in, right? I'm not, I'm not going to give up. And a lot of kids don't have that. And or they don't work on it until they're in a slump. And m- mindset, working on your mental game is just like working on any part of your game. You gotta, you gotta get the shots up. You gotta run, run those sprints. And you have to work on your mental game. So when you get in a situation, you know, bam, right away, I'm confident. I, I got this. My, mis- I'm, you know, short-term memory, the mistake is gone. But I didn't have those skills as an athlete. And that's why I'm so passionate about young people having these skills because that was the difference between my my game in the ABL and the WBA is that my mindset, my confidence was just off. And it actually got so bad that I was always questioning myself, analyzing my game, and my biggest critic that I went into depression my first year in the WBA. And I was on and off the injured reserve because of depression and even in the subsequent year I took that whole season off because of depression and I, a lot of it I think it, I mean yes I have biochemical imbalance but I also did not have the tools to combat failure combat mistakes combat when things aren't going my way on the court I didn't have those mind mental game tools so that's you know why I'm so so that's why I'm so into it and the reason why I came became my mindset coach just because on tiktok i would get a lot of comments from young ladies about failure coming back from failure and mistakes being scared coaches gonna yell at me or you know my confidence is down i i I hesitate when i shoot and so i was like you know what there's something there's something to this Hmm. and instead of me giving them just responses based on my experience i went out and got trained on it so that's why i became a certified um, athlete mindset coach. I was about to say, yes, you are indeed a life skills coach. That, that's the correct term, right? 
No, it's there's so many terms. There's mental game coaching professional. Um, I call myself. I've seen people say sports psychology consultant. I call myself, which I probably changed actually. You never know. Athlete mindset coach. Athlete mindset coach. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> just rambling on. That's a dope one. I think uh, also the thing like, like sports psychology and like athlete mindset is is crucial. Like I, literally every athlete who I have met personally has benefited from using it, and even ones who I've heard about, like Tom Brady uses one. Uh, LeBron James, like you get into a slump, and it's just like, is it me or it's like, well, like for instance, Austin Matthews, a very famous hockey player. He was on a five-game slump. He was just like, is it me? What is it? And he spoke to a, 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 like a sports therapist, and they're just saying, like, listen, there are nights where you may not be as hot as you were, but the defense and the goalie is on fire. That'll happen. But as long as you know you're keeping up with your shots, let's say, per se, in your practice, it's just a slump. Like, he whatever, re, like, just reinforced that he was good. And it's just, we need that. And it's, oh, I'm all for mental health and all for advocating for it. And it's just... Mental health, woman power, all of it. You're doing everything. You are a sports icon to me. No, oh, thank you very much. Like, I, I bet you're just even amazing at, like, like I don't even know anything. Be like, oh, yeah, I also like, cut grass from time to time. And it's been rated, like, the top grass cutter in Delaware. I'd be like, oh, of course you are. Of course you are. Yeah, I'm going to be on a cooking <laughs> show next week. <laughs> like, of course you are. Actually, Justin, it's funny that you mentioned that because Val was on MTV. Val, would you like to tell our listeners, our audience, <laughs> about that when you're on MTV, mate? No. Yeah. Well, back in the day, I don't know if this show was on, you guys were watching MTV, but it was a show called MTV Made. And if you wanted to be something, say if you wanted to, I want to be a Broadway dancer. All right. So they would bring in an MTV Made coach, and you would spend time with that coach for a week, and at the end, you have a performance or something. So I was brought in because my person wanted to be a motocross racer. And the person that I was assigned to, she had failed gym class. And yeah, her name was Ashley. I remember now. She failed gym class and she was just, just really lazy, but she wanted to be a motocross racer. And they brought a motocross guy in too. But I was supposed to do the physical side of things because at the time I owned a gym, a CrossFit gym. And so... My first meet, time meeting her, we did the one mile test, and we, it was just one lap around this giant um, Bellevue State Park, this giant park. And she's like dying, and she's like running, and she's saying, I can't breathe. And I'm like on camera, if you're talking, you're breathing. I was like, oh, that was savage. Because I just saw it a couple of months ago again. <laughs> but that's it's interesting how um, reality TV is. It's not really real because if you say something really cool and they didn't hear you, they want you to say it again. They're like, oh, wait, okay, Val, Val, can you say it again? We didn't, we, we didn't mm-hmm. catch it. So it's it, when I see reality TV, I'm like, is this? I don't think that's, I know that's not real. And I spent a whole week with this girl and I was only on for 45 seconds. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was so mad. And I did not get paid. It was out. Of, it was no money involved. I'm sure they paid the other guy, but I think I wasn't smart enough to ask for money. Now I'd be like, "Yes, my time is money." But then I was like, "Okay, yeah, shoot, sure, sure, can't wait." Exposure. Exactly. Oh, that word, exposure. Mmm. Mmm. Or IMDb credits. <laughs> IMDb credits. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I work for now. Justin, you're missing. You're missing the other one. 
you know what the other one is. Food and drink will be provided. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sometimes travel. <laughs> Sometimes travel. Oh, my goodness. Yep. That's yep. starving artist, man. You're just broke the whole time. I understand that. I'm all about the free food. Free food, man. Free food is good, but uh, yeah, we all have value, so <laughs> we all have worth. Now, Val, you're also part of the a national advisory board for the Positive Coaching Alliance. Tell us a bit more about that. Oh, it's a it's an amazing organization. Um, it's all about yeah, you want to win as a coach, but sports is not just about winning. It's also about the life lessons that you learn. And I love the mission. They educate coaches about being highly positive. They educate players about how to athletes about how to be great teammates and also parents about how to be a good sports parent. And I'm on the advisory board. I'll be honest, I don't do enough. I'm always talking. Can I, what can I do? A lot of us are just on there. Our pictures are just on the website. They're not using us. Like, well, except for people like Phil Jackson. He's very vocal. They always have him on uh, all their all their stuff. But I love the organization because this positive coaching is so needed. I've had coaches for my kids that just just broke them down. It didn't even bother to build them up, and it has such a poor effect on their self esteem. And it's not just now; it's years later. Everyone who played sports can remember a coach that made them feel amazing or made them feel awful. And that's why myself as a coach, I when I, when I am coaching or just mentoring young people, I it's a big deal to me. It's not something I take lightly because I want them to look back when they're my age and think, oh, wow, working with this coach, Val, she really made a difference in my life. I don't want someone to look back and like say, Coach Val was the worst coach I ever had and, you know, I'm scarred for life. So the Positive Coaching Alliance is about coaching in a positive way. It does not mean you're not correcting, but you're constantly building up and teaching life skills through sports and not just only not just only being about winning. Yeah, I, because I guess, and one thing that I've learned through your story is that as an athlete, you've been able to overcome adversity and by empowering other athletes, you're also setting them up for life, whether that be on the course, on the field, or in a boardroom, or in a place of work. So it's definitely invaluable what you're doing, what you and the organization are, are doing right now. Thank you. No worries. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question that I always ask everybody, and it's just my own little personal question. Have you ever had a poutine before? A what? <laughs> a poutine. Yeah. <laughs> so just in case... Our listeners don't know a poutine real quick is fries cheese curds and gravy it's a canadian dish and it is oh so good really yeah maybe maybe they have it in seattle i don't know seattle's so close i don't know is it all of canada or just your your side of canada oh it's it's all of canada we, we literally have restaurants devoted to making the best poutine okay because i'm not far from vancouver hit it up if you ever come to toronto i will buy you one personally about Toronto as a city. <laughs> now, Val, do you have any other social media that you wanted to share with our listeners where we can follow you and, and the great work that you've been doing? Well, I do have a new podcast called Stay Fierce with Coach Val. And my first episode drops on March 1st. So that's that's one of my new ventures. It's been a pleasure to have you on, Val. 
Was there anything else that you wanted to share with our, our audience before we let you go? Continue to believe in yourself and write it down. Like, write down your goals. Write down what you've done well in your life, in your sport, in your job, or whatever, in school. So when you're feeling like you haven't accomplished anything, look at that list and refer to that. And nothing nothing is too small that goes on that list. Um, it's an exercise I do with my athletes called a confidence resume. And they write down everything they've done. And they you just constantly updating. You just like to re- update your regular resume. You're constantly updating that resume. And it's a way to refer to past successes and, and build upon them. So that's a random thought I'd like to leave with you guys with. If you have any questions for the Pro Sports Podcasters, be sure to reach us on our Twitter account. Or you can also slide into our DMs and catch the latest snippets, dirt, and other exclusive things that we will tweet. Check us out at P Podcasters on Twitter.